0: Amen. Amen. Who's, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Man, I'm super, super excited. You guys can have a seat. For those who do not know me, my name is Garrett. I'm on staff here with the college ministry. Uh, I love this place. I love this team. I love this church, and I love you guys. Let me ask y'all, who enjoyed our We All Know Someone sermon series? Raise your hand if you did. I know I did. I, I was definitely challenged by it. I took a lot of notes. It was awesome. And if you don't remember anything from that sermon series, it's all about sharing our faith, giving you tools and equipping you to be able to go out and spread the gospel. If you didn't remember anything from that sermon series, I want you to remember that it is up to us to fill up this room with college students and young adults. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to us. Brian opened the drapes up last week. We saw how big this room was, and we have so much more space to fill up. So it's up to us to fill this room and share our faith. So all those sermons are actually on our podcast. If you missed one, alongside a lot more awesome resources that you can check out, type in the Hills College on all podcast streaming platforms. Make sure you check it out. But tonight I'm going to share uh, with you guys one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I think this story is so timely. With Easter just a few days away, we just learned about how to share our faith. This, This story kind of ties in with all of that stuff. And I think this story has the power to uh, change your perspective on how we go about our daily Christian lives. When we understand and unpack this story, it shows us how Jesus sees the world. See, Jesus doesn't see uh, political parties. He doesn't see skin color. Jesus doesn't see how tall or short you are. He doesn't see how much money that you have in the bank. Jesus sees souls. And the scriptures say that Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And this story shows us how we can view the the world the same way that Jesus views the world. So the title of our message tonight is Seeing the World Through the Lens of Jesus. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip over there. One thing one of my favorite pastors likes to do, he does it called the Bible drill. So if you have your actual physical Bibles, I want you to hold them up in the air real high. Hold it up, hold them up, not your fake Bibles, your real Bibles. And if you are single, leave your Bible up. Dang, everybody, all the single people have their Bibles. Wow, the Lord might be making some connections right now. I'm just kidding. But yeah, guys, bring your Bible, bring your Bible, bring your notes. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the term Good Samaritan has lost a lot of its weight in our 21st century. In our current culture, we don't really understand what the term Good Samaritan is we might scroll through the news and read news articles of people who maybe walked an old lady across the street in the rain, or maybe you, you, you read a news article about a young kid who, who returned a wallet full of money to its rightful owner. While those are very, very good things, it doesn't really fully encompass what it means to be a good Samaritan, what we see in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to explore tonight how this, uh, how this story is, was very radical. It shook people up when Jesus told the Jewish people this story. So again, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screens as well. So let's read it. Verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he took the man out on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So to set the scene This story begins when Jesus, he was standing in the temple and he was teaching the Jewish people. We don't know exactly what Jesus was teaching, but we do know a Jewish expert in the law stood up and asked him a question to test him. See, the the Jewish experts in the law, they they studied the law for a living. They were almost like professors in the law. They had the PhD in the the Mosaic law. Basically what that is is the Ten Commandments, all the things that the Jewish people had to live by in that day. So this Jewish expert in the law knew everything. He knew the Ten Commandments. He knew the right things and the wrong things. He knew how to check all the right boxes. And what we're going to learn tonight is that the law, the Old Testament Jewish law, was actually meant to point us to Christ. Because we can't, in our own strength, in our own ways, we can't fully keep the law we cannot do it right we need Jesus' grace we need his mercy and his forgiveness but again this Jewish expert in the law and the Jewish leadership of the day they wanted everybody to know they knew the law but inside the Jewish the Jewish uh expert in the law he he was very prideful he wanted to show the people I know what I'm talking about so he asked Jesus the question what must I do to inherit eternal life that's a question that we've all asked ourselves, right? I've asked that that question to myself, I'm sure you have. Even the most God-hating atheist of the world asked that question about the afterlife. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But see, that Jewish expert in the law, he, he already knew the answer. He was trying to trip Jesus up to use the wrong words. So the expert in the law replies with, Jesus says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, what do you think? What does the law say? The expert in the law says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So then the expert in the law asked this question He asked, Who is my neighbor? And that's a very important question we're going to unpack tonight. Who is my neighbor? So when the expert in the law asked this question, Jesus responds with the good Samaritan story. And again, we're just going to recap it real quick. We won't read it. But a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was on a really high, tall mountain. Jericho was down here. He was traveling down that road, and he was robbed, beaten, stripped, left half to death. And a Levite and a priest came walking by, the Jewish leaders of that day. And they turned to the other side of the road and said, I'm going the other way. And then a Samaritan saw him and had pity on him, bandaged his wounds, put expensive oil and wine on him, put him on his own donkey, put him into an inn, and paid for his room and board and said, hey, whatever expenses that you have, I'll pay for it when I come back. So this story, when the original Jewish audience uh, heard this, they were deeply puzzled. They were like, uh, a Samaritan saving a Jew? Everyone in the crowd was uh, expecting the priest and the Levite to be the ones who stopped. A priest and a Levite would be like a a, a pastor and an assistant pastor. So imagine for the sake of the story, Pastor Brent and Pastor Brian walking by this. I'm sure they would have stopped and helped him. I'm sure they would. But just for the sake of the story, imagine a head pastor and assistant pastor walking by that beaten man and just going on to the other side. And another reason the Jewish audience was so shocked is because the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. See, the Jews thought of the Samaritans as half-breeds or or mutts. A long time ago in the Old Testament, the the Assyrians actually conquered the nation of Israel. And because of this, the the nation of Israel began to to, uh, marry the Assyrian people. And they became known as the Samaritans. They slowly began to form their own culture, their view of God. Kind of changed. They became a very, very large group of people, and the Jews saw them as a disgrace, not only a disgrace to God, but a disgrace to them, and the tension between these two groups was very, very high. And again, adding to the shock factor, Jesus tells them that the Samaritan doesn't just leave the man there after he bandages his wounds, but he takes him to an inn, puts him on his own donkey, pays for the room and board, and says, hey, when I get back, I'll pay for this man's expenses. That's radical love. That's radical kindness. So after hearing this story, the expert in the law says, or Jesus asked the expert in the law, which one of these do you think is the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the Jewish expert, so, so prideful, he couldn't even say the words Samaritan. But he says back to Jesus, the one who had mercy on him. In the story, Jesus says, go and do likewise. So everyone in that crowd that Jesus was speaking to was asking themselves, am I a good neighbor? They're asking themselves, who is my neighbor? So I ask you the same question tonight. Are you a good neighbor? In a lot of our current culture, and our current country, there's so, so much division. Division is almost our therapy these days. So imagine... For the story, the Samaritan and the Jew. Imagine two people on the most radical sides. They, they, they view the world different. They view politics different. They view sexuality different. They view everything different. And Jesus tells the story that the Samaritan, who had mercy on him, saw him, bandaged him, took him to an end. Took, took Ask yourself, the person who who is most radically different than you, maybe it's different political views, maybe it's it's different views of of, of anything, would you have stopped and cared for that person? I know some people in here, or not in here, but I know some people who said, oh, I probably would have finished them off. We love our neighbors, guys, when we point them to Jesus. The love that was freely given to us by Jesus, we need to reflect back into the world Abraham Lincoln says, actions speak a lot louder than words. Imagine a world where Christians come together in unity and put their views aside and say, you know what? I'm just going to show love to my neighbor. That's my only agenda. I'm just going to show love to those around me. I believe that revival would break out. But it all comes back to that question who is my neighbor? Maybe you're wondering that right now. Who is my neighbor? And the question is everyone. Believers, non-believers, everyone in this room, everyone in this world is our neighbor. No matter the skin color, no matter the political views, whatever it is, that is your neighbor. And again, we show the love that we did not deserve And reflect that back into the world in order that the lost might come to Christ. We need to quit viewing people as the enemy. We need to quit viewing people as someone to change. But we need to view them as lost souls who need salvation and point them to Jesus. So that our neighbor is believers and non-believers alike. Everybody. And this is not a call to to be a pacifist. I'll be honest with you all, if there's a threat on my life and my family's life, I'm going to do something about it. Even Jesus was about that action. Like, he remember, he came into the temple. He flipped the tables. No way am I saying be a pacifist. Look, we stand on this word right here. We do not back down. We speak the truth in love. But we stand on this word. We do not waver. But the main point of this passage is Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That's our, that was the call to the Jewish audience, the original audience. Jesus says, go and do likewise. That's the same call for us today. That's the same command for us today. Go and do likewise. So as we go out into our places, maybe it's at school, maybe it's in your own family, maybe it's at your job, go and do likewise. We have to view people like Jesus views them as souls that need to be saved. Jesus views the unbelievers as souls that need to be saved. He died for them. The scriptures say He desires all to be saved. That's how we view the unbeliever. And Jesus views the believer as someone who has accepted that payment on the cross. And that's how we should view them. Not, oh, I'm better than that believer. That believer uh, doesn't struggle with the same things I struggle with. No, no, no. We're all unworthy. Jesus sees that person through the blood of Christ. And what's so, so cool about this story is I love love the details. See, the Samaritan man didn't give the Jewish man a gospel track, didn't say, hey, I want you to come to church with me. Come to Easter. Hey, I want to tell you about my faith. No, 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 no. The Samaritan man simply saw a need, and he met it. The Samaritan man didn't see a Jew that he hated, that he was supposed to hate, he saw a soul. He saw a person in need, and he said, I'm going to put aside my views, I'm going to go help this person. And Jesus commands us to go and do likewise. That's our call today. So what does this look like practically? How do we be a good Samaritan where we're at? Three simple things. I'll hit them real quick. Number one is seeing people as Jesus sees them. Quite simply, that's it. This story shows us that that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's like I talked about a few weeks ago during our We All Know Someone series. We We have no right to show partiality when it comes to sharing our faith. We don't get to choose who we share our faith to. We don't get to choose who we love. Because Jesus died for all of us. We're all unworthy. We're all on the same level. We need to see people as souls, souls that need salvation, the salvation that you have that was freely given to you. Not people, not view people as our enemy. That person doesn't think like me. I need to change that person's mind. The only thing that can change somebody's mind is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can save their souls. We see people as souls and we see believers that have been given the same salvation That we've been given. So as you go out, view people like Jesus views people. Number two, this one's really, really important, is meet physical needs. And again, just like the Samaritan man, he didn't want anything from the Jewish man. He didn't give him an invitation. He didn't say, oh, because I did this for you, I want you to do this for me. No, no, no. He just simply saw a need that needed to be met. Oftentimes in the Bible, we see Jesus meeting a physical need before he met a spiritual need. He would heal somebody. He would uh, provide a way with somebody. and Then he would say, your sins are clean. Jesus oftentimes met a physical need. And the same is true from us. for us. Oftentimes, I believe providing a physical need, whether it be paying for somebody's meal, paying for somebody's coffee, giving the clothes off of your bag, giving somebody a ride. Especially for an unchurched person, these things will open their hearts and minds to gospel conversations. That's why I love our outreach ministry here at Cascade. Their agenda is loving and serving the community with no strings attached. They see a need out in the community, and they just go and meet it. And I'll be honest with you, I'm sure when I said meeting a physical need, your mind probably went to a homeless person, giving money to a homeless person. And I'll tell you, I'm not, very, I'm not a very big fan of that. Could be wrong. It's just me. But every time I get asked for money by a homeless person, I always say no, but I'd be happy to buy you a meal. And oftentimes when you say that, you'll see their true intentions. I'll say, hey, you, I'll buy you a meal. They'll be like, oh, no, never mind. I, I'm good. I'm good. Or there's actually a need there to say, yes, I love a meal. Try that. But the Samaritan man, it all goes back to that. He had pity on the Jew. He bandaged his wounds, poured expensive, very expensive oil and wine on his, on his wounds, took him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, paid for it. And they said, hey, innkeeper, I'll pay for whatever I need to when I get back. What generosity. And Jesus simply says to us, go and do likewise. And that's our same call today. Meet the physical needs of our neighbors. Our Christian lives should be marked by generosity. God calls us all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the New Testament and Old Testament to be generous people. And be generous to point people to Jesus. So meet physical needs. And number three, the last one, it says, don't be so busy doing the work of God that you miss the will of God. And I've been so guilty of this. Writing this, 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 like I was like, oh, crap, I can't talk about this. I'm so bad at this. See, in the story, the, the Levite and the priest walk past the man in need. The Levite and the priest are like, oh, i got to get back to the temple. I've got to teach these people. i I got, I got stuff to do. And they walk right past that man in need. It was so cool. Just Tuesday, actually, just a few days ago, um, to see, tell you how bad I am at this. Um, we were at Flat Rock Park shooting some stuff for our Easter videos. Alex was there and um, Ethan Hall. And uh, we're shooting this stuff. I'm Judas. I felt bad about being Judas, but Alex made me. Um, I, I repented after that. Um, but we're sitting here shooting this stuff, and these two Mormons walk up to us. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm, we're trying to shoot this video, man. These Mormons coming up to us. I'm like, we've got to get this stuff done. I've got to get back to the church, man. i got this sermon to write. I got, I got to do my slides. There's, I got a meeting at 4 o'clock. So they come up to us. They're curious. Says, hey, what are y'all doing over here? We're like, hey, we're shooting a video for, uh, for Easter for our kids. So, oh, that's cool. They're like, okay, we don't want to bother you guys. Um, we're we're going to go over here and meet with these people. I was like, oh, thank the Lord. So we get done with this, this shooting this video, and Alex and Ethan were like, hey, we got these water bottles left. Uh, we, let's, let's go give them to them. It's hot out here. And in my mind, I'm like, Tch. I got a meeting to I got a meeting to be. I gotta finish this sermon, and the Lord the Lord really convicted me after that. So we went up there. We uh, we uh, gave them the water. We met a physical need. It was hot outside. It opened them up to a gospel conversation. And we invited them to Easter, and then me and Ethan had an hour and forty five minute discussion about stuff, all kinds of stuff, and we invited them to Easter. And they they're actually gonna come. Surprisingly, they texted Ethan last night and said, "Hey, we'll be at the Saturday night service." So we're praying for a miracle. But we can't get so busy doing the work of of God or just being busy in general that we miss the will of God. We miss what God's telling us to do. So how do we do this? Simply we be in tune with the Holy Spirit. How are we in tune with the Holy Spirit? We're daily walking with him. We're daily praying. Daily in our word. We're daily surrendering our lives to Christ. I think Ethan Hall was amazing at this. The first time those Mormons came up to us, Ethan's like an apologist. He's studying that, apologetics. And I was like, Ethan, hit him with something, man. And in my mind, I was like, Ethan, hit him, hit him, get him. And, I, and then they left for the first time, and Ethan was like, well, you know, I just didn't really feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me to do that right now. We're going to go there afterwards. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, in tune with what he's trying to tell us, in tune with what he's saying. Hey, go, go talk to that person. Give that cashier an Easter invite. Don't, don't, don't engage in that conversation right now. Right now is not the time. Be in tune with what God's trying to tell you. So again, that first one is see people the way Jesus sees them. Don't try to change people. That's not your job to change somebody. When do we think it's our job to change somebody's views on things? Only Jesus, only the gospel can do that. As you go out into your workplace... your home, maybe even in a relationship that you're in. View that person the way Jesus views them. Number two is meet physical needs. The Samaritan man was overly generous with that man that he was supposed to hate. At that time there was so much tension between the Jews and the Samaritans but he was generous. We had the same call today, go and do Likewise. And oftentimes when we meet those physical needs, when we give somebody a ride, pay for their meal, you can start engaging in those gospel conversations. And number three is don't get so busy doing the work of God that you miss the will of God. So another, in conclusion, another point of this, of this parable is when the Jewish lawyer asked Jesus What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I love what Jesus says. He says, Well, what do you think? What does the law say, expert? And the Jewish expert says, Love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, You've answered correctly. But see, Jesus knew the, the Jewish expert in the law was going to have this response. As we learned earlier, the, the Jewish leadership of that day, they were very pious. They, they liked to flaunt their knowledge. They had a pride issue. And they relied on the, 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 the Jewish law to, for their salvation. And I don't want to rely on that. If loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength is the standard to get into heaven, we're all in trouble. I'm definitely in trouble. Jesus is the only person who perfectly did this. Jesus is the only person who loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved his neighbors as himself. See, Jesus was testing the Jewish expert in the law. He was inviting them to surrender all to Jesus. Jesus But again, those Jewish leaders of the day, they relied on their good works, and they were led astray. It's only Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect example. Kept the law, didn't sin one time. And Jesus offers us that same invitation today, to surrender all. There's nothing we can do to to work our way into heaven. See, the Bible says that we all have sin in our life. We all lie. We all cheat. We've all stolen. We've all looked at somebody with lust. The list goes on and on and on. And God is a loving God. Yes, he is. But he's also a God of holiness. He's also a God of righteousness. And he cannot look upon sin If he's holy and righteous, he has to do something about sin or he wouldn't be holy and righteous. And our sins separate us from God on this earth and also for eternity. But see, that broke God's heart so much that he could not be in relationship with this creation. See, God created you to love you, but we messed it up. Adam and Eve in the garden, they chose to sin. They messed it up for all of us. And our sins separated, broke that perfect relationship between God and man. But again, God loves you so much. That broke his heart that he could not be in relationship with you, that he sent Jesus Christ, all God and all man. Lived on this earth for 30-something years, and did not sin one time, kept the law, loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he was put on a cross. Tomorrow, we're going to have Good Friday, the darkest day in human history, where Jesus was brutally beaten, tortured, and mutilated. The scriptures say he wasn't even recognizable as a man. He was put on a cross, nails put in his wrists and his feet, suffocating on that cross. God poured all his wrath, his judgment, his anger for your sins and my sins on to Jesus Christ. He was the perfect sacrifice. The sinless lamb of God took our place, took our punishment, and he was put in a grave. But the good news is, what we're gonna celebrate this weekend is that he rose again, defeated death, defeated sin, and remains the only way that sinful man can be reconciled with holy God. Remains the only way. good illustration I like to use is if you were to walk out of this room tonight and and God forbid something happens to you you get in a car wreck and you woke up and you saw heaven's gates in front of you the gate was right here God was standing right there and he says why should I let you in think about your answer for a second if God asked you that question why should I let you in if your answer is, oh, well, God, I, I, I came to church every once in a while, or God, I, I tried to be a good person, God, I, I, I gave to this charity one time, God, I, I, I tried to pray when I could. God's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. There's a story in the Bible, um, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that there was a group of people who uh, came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Jesus. We did these great works in your name. Jesus, we did this for you. Jesus, we did this for you. And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, I never knew you. See, they got it wrong. They relied on their works to make them right with Jesus. What they did for Jesus. And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. The only way we can make it into heaven's gates Is putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Accepting that, believing that, confessing our sins, and turning from our old ways. See, it's about believing, confessing. The last part is repenting. If you want to be a Christian, you got to turn from your old sinful ways. The sins that Jesus died for, the sins that put Jesus on the cross, you have to say, No more. I'm going to try my best pursuing you. So that question, if God asks you, why should I let you in? The only right answer is because Jesus paid the price for me. The only right answer is Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus our good works. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing nothing. He paid it all once and for all, for all your sins in the past, right now, and in the future. Jesus paid it all. So in a second, we're going to say a prayer, and if you want to accept that, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not your, your it's not a magical prayer that you just say, oh, well, i say said this prayer, and I get my ticket into heaven. No, it's, it's you putting your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, and saying God I promise to follow you I'll turn from my old ways the things I was pursuing I'll turn from them and I'm going to chase after you with everything I've got so if you want to say that prayer you bow your heads with me say it, something like this in your heart say God I know I'm a sinful person God I know that my sins God they separate me from you but right now God I put my faith and trust what you did on the cross. God, I promise to repent and turn from my old ways, my old sinful ways. God, I promise to follow you for the rest of my life. I'll never be ashamed of you. I love you. Now, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you did say that prayer, I just want you to do something for me. Nobody's looking in this room. I want you to just slip your hand up right, slip it up. I want to see it. God bless you. God bless you. If you want to accept the love of Christ tonight, just just slip your hand right up, up and down. Nothing special, nothing special about your words. It's just you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Everybody can open their eyes and stand with us real quick. If that was you, if you raised your hand, let's let's make some noise for those who accepted Christ tonight. That's so awesome. I saw you. God saw you. That's the best decision that you will ever make. If you did say that prayer, we want to meet you. We don't want anything from you. We want to give you a free Bible, actually. When you walk out, there's a table right there with Alex and Kylie Stop by that table and just tell them, I prayed that prayer. Again, we don't want anything from you. We have a hand-picked Bible for you. I'll be at that table as well. Go tell them, I prayed that prayer. Can I pray with you guys one more time? Y'all bow your heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this time, God, this place, that we can come and worship you, Lord. I pray that we would apply what we we learned tonight, God, that we would all go out and be good Samaritans, Lord, that that we would see people... God, like you see them, that we would see people not by what they believe or their political views, how much money they have, Lord, but we would see people the way you see them. Lord, I pray that we would meet physical needs, that we would be generous people, God. You call us to be generous people. Our lives should be marked by generosity, God. I pray that you would empower and embolden these people to be generous. God, and most of all, I pray that we would not be too busy, that we miss your will, that we would not get caught up in the motions, getting too busy at work, at home, that we miss what you're trying to do through us. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this place. God, I pray for Easter, the next couple days. I pray that you would send unchurched people into this place gospel of Jesus Christ, that those who feel like life is pointless, that life is empty, that they would hear that you love them so dearly that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. God, we're expecting, we love you in Christ and we